Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the series, Friendships. We'll consider the different kinds of relationships and anchor our hope in Jesus, the Chief Orchestrator. We hope that you enjoy this message. I'm going to speak tonight for a few minutes, um, Friendships Part 4. Anybody blessed by the series so far? Friendships Part 4. I was in Toronto the other uh, last weekend with CRM, the music team. They did such a great job uh, in Toronto. And a young man walked up to me and he said, uh, you know, Pastor Kofi, man, I've been watching you from, from here in Toronto. He's like, man, that friendship series, oh, my gosh. Like, that's my series. And I'm like, oh, really? For real? He's like, oh, my. I watch. I do not miss. So if you're watching tonight, my man, salute. Welcome. Welcome to church tonight. Uh, and so we're going to get into it. And it's going to be amazing. Y'all ready? Say, I'm ready for the word. Say, Holy Spirit. Let this word change my life. Ain't nobody saying it. Come on, say, Holy Spirit, let this word change my life. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to go deeper, and I'm going higher. In Jesus' name, put your hands together for God tonight. Friendships, part four. I entitled this message tonight, Beware of Oil Leakers. All right? Someone say, Ace! Beware of oil leakers. Y'all ready? All righty. <laughs> okay, let's go. So, um, two weeks ago, we discussed this ideology looking at uh, three types of friends in our life that we have. We looked at, does anybody remember the three types of friends that we have in our life? Anybody? What is it? Come, come and say it in the microphone. Come, this guy has a godly voice. The voice is powerful. Come and say it. Friends for a reason, yes. friends for a season, and uh, friends for a lifetime. <laughs> I told you the baritone in the voice is dangerous. <laughs> friends for a season, friends for a reason, and friends for a lifetime. Tonight we're going to go and delve deeper into friends for a reason. Now, um, last two weeks we came to be established this fact that when it comes to friends who are there for a reason, you have friends uh, that are there for a reason, ultimately not because of what they can give, but because of what they can get, right? And in discussing this and looking into it deeper, I began to realize that the ones that are there for a reason in particular, when you begin to get into it, you realize that sometimes the enemy actually plants people in our lives for specific reasons just to leak the oil on our lives. Is it true? I mean, I can give you story upon story, and I will, uh, but the enemy plants specific people in our lives that are always there, sometimes there, not for the right reasons, but to leak the oil on your life. Somebody say the oil. The oil is the anointing. The oil is the grace upon your life. The oil is what makes you different from everybody else, all right? The anointing upon your life is what gives you the ability to do something that you could not do by yourself, but because of supernatural grace upon your life, the anointing gives you the ability to do that which you couldn't do by yourself. Now, the anointing is subjective to you in particular. You have a specific and an amount of grace and anointing upon your life. Someone say, I'm anointed. You have grace upon your life. You have oil. You have anointing upon your life. There's specific anointing upon your life that must be there so that the vision and the mandate God has placed for you can come out of you. Can we agree on that tonight? Now, when it comes to specific people who are there for a reason in your life, there are people who are there to ensure that the amount of oil upon your life continues to fluctuate. One day it's up. One day it's down. One day it's up. 
One day it's down. One day you pray and something happens. You pray and you're scared. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? You know, God begins to look at us and say, I've given you a specific measure of grace, specific measure of oil to be placed upon your life to fulfill the mandate that I have for you. And so in doing this, we have to beware of people who are sent into our lives, agents of the enemy who are sent into our lives specifically just to drain the oil on our lives. Uh, but I strongly believe tonight that after tonight, your oil is going to be topped up and it's actually going to overflow tonight. I think some people have come here with low oil and God is going to begin to top it up. Your anointing in your life, that fire you had in your life was kind of going down for God. God is about to top it up and actually overflow it in Jesus' name in this place. If you receive it, say, I receive it. Do I have an active church tonight? Say, you re I receive it. Now, we're going to look at Genesis 3 and, and take some stuff from this. Originally, we went into Genesis and looked at how God placed man inside the Garden of Eden. When he placed man inside of the Garden of Eden, he always places you in reach of your next level, in reach of your destiny. As we discussed two weeks ago, that God will place you in reach of success. He'll give you all the ingredients to make the meal that you need, but he won't necessarily make the meal for you. Now, when we get to this scripture, you're going to see this very thing there. And it says this in Genesis 3, verses 1. Number 1, it goes like this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Can you read that with me? I want us to read it so it sounds very choral. Okay, let's read it. One, two, three, go. Understand this thing. After that you've given your life to Christ, the second most important decision you're ever going to have to make in your life is the decision of who you have to marry. Your decision is in who is going to be your destiny partner. Because who you marry either takes you up or takes you down. It's like an elevator. You enter into this walk with them, they either take you up or they bring you down. The second decision, most important decision you make after you give your life to Christ is who you will marry. All right? Now understand this, that because that decision is so important, the enemy wants to make sure you don't make the right decision or you overlook the right one, okay? Either you don't make the right decision or you overlook the right one. Uh, he doesn't have what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm trying to marry a man of God. Please marry a man of God, you need it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to marry this type of person or that type of person. We begin to bring out our list. And when we begin to bring out this list, we can oh, sometimes overlook the very person that God has for us. Maybe, maybe the person that God has for us is sitting here somewhere. But yeah, we're looking somewhere, you know. <laughs> maybe that's a prophetic word for somebody. <laughs> Now understand this, based off of this scripture that's here, I want us to get into some brief hermeneutics, right? So based off of this scripture right here, it said, did God really say that you must not eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden? First error of business. What is a snake doing in the garden? There's some conversations that you don't need to lower yourself to understand and to entertain. All right? Why is the snake in the garden? You have Adam, Eve. God is somewhere around in the garden. He's left them to do what they have to do. 
Garden of Eden. God, if you wanted some context for this, the Bible says that God said, listen, you can eat of all of the trees and all of the fruit here in this garden except for this specific one. Now, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but the Bible starts off in chapter 3 of the snake just coming out of nowhere on that same tree and saying, listen, did God really say that you can't eat of all of these things? It's really interesting to know that Eve lowers herself to this type of conversation. This conversation that you shouldn't lower yourself to, that's number one, if you're looking for that. Number two, from this scripture that we're going to take, let's go on to the next verse, and then we'll begin to dig some stuff out of this. Verses two, of course you may eat from the fruit, the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat from. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. This is one of the most game-changing lines in this whole soap opera right now, okay? Read it with me. Let's go. One, two, three, go. The second thing that the enemy wants to do that will try to trip you up is that he always tries to water down God's voice. Okay? <laughs> Are you ready for me tonight? He always tries to water down God's voice. The first thing that he's going to do after he begins to question and you begin to question, why am I even having this conversation with this person? The second thing that he'll do is that he'll use agents. He'll use people who've availed their hearts, people who've opened up their lives via whatever door that is open to lower and to water down God's voice. God has given you a promise and someone will come and try to water down that promise. Do you really need to go to church? Every Thursday. Do you, do you really need to? Do you really have to strive? Do you really have to? Somebody will be sent to try to just water down God's voice in your life. Two things. Number three, we're moving on. Let's go to the next part of this scripture and move on to number three. All right. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. That's the first time that secular humanism comes in right there. Verses 6 says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Gosh, Eve. She saw the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. Okay? So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she didn't just do that. She shared it. Okay? Verses 3. Or, or number three in this. What caused Eve's attention was that she heard about what she could get from this whole situation. Okay? Wisdom. The fruit is delicious. I want you to understand something. Don't enter into relationships or friendships only based upon face value. Okay? I'm giving you nuggets tonight. All right? Don't enter into relationships or, or just friendships based off of face value. Oh, they look all right. He prays a lot in church. I think he's a man of God. He, hey, you think I'm joking. I'm being very practical tonight. You know, he, he, he does this or she does that. And because he or she does that, I think they're like this. Listen, every decision you make when it comes to relationships or friendships must be spirit-led. Spirit-led. All right? When it comes to relationships, when it comes to friendships, it must be spirit-led. Say it after me. Say spirit-led. It means that you must take time to analyze the situation, pray about the situation, seek counsel about the situation before you enter into a situation. All right? Number four from this, let's drop to, to verses seven and then wrap this up and get into some other stuff. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they 
sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees. Number four thing you have to understand from this is that, isn't it interesting that God made Adam and Eve, and, and I, I've said this a few times here at church, and as he made them, nowhere in the scripture before the time that they ate the fruit, did they realize that they were naked? Did they realize that they were naked? Why? Because they were so intimate with God that they were vulnerable before God. But the moment that they entered into something, the moment that they took a bite out of something, the moment that they lowered their standards to compromise of something, they realized that, wow, I'm actually naked right now. I, wow, I'm actually, I can't come before God because I've engaged in something that I don't think that he would actually understand. Number four thing you got to realize from this, that you were vulnerable with God before the fruit came. Don't switch up because of what you think you can gain from the situation. Okay? That's number four. Now, when I think about this, this scripture and I think about everything that we've read in this basis of the scripture, man, it really just reminds me of my growing up. And uh, when we were growing up, things were a bit different. Uh, I'm still growing up, but when I was a bit younger, uh, things were a bit different. When it came to, like, relationship seminars and churches and, like, it came to, like, pastors talking about relationships, they used one scripture, and I began to detest this scripture. Okay? And I don't know if you know this scripture, but you might. Uh, it's found in Songs of Solomon, and it says this, do not awaken love before it is time. Anybody know that scripture? Anybody know that? I feel like I'm alone tonight. Anybody know that scripture? Don't awaken love before it is time. They preach that thing down our throats like, hey, young boy. <laughs> Goofy. <laughs> don't awaken love before it is time. <laughs> hey, young boy. And I used to sit there, I'd be like, yo, what is this guy talking about? It made no sense to me. I didn't understand it until I got to a point of realization. Someone say realize. I came to a point of realization in my life that I began to understand and say, wow, that was, they were true. It was right. Because let me teach you what awakening love before its time does, all right? Awakening love before its time, what it does is that it engages your emotions before your full destiny has actually blossomed. True? What it does is it blinds your mind, it blinds your heart, it gets you tangled up to the point whereby you can't think clearly because your emotions are tangled. So at the point by which your destiny is actually coming up, because the scripture did say, and I think it's in Songs of Solomon, I think it's in uh, 8.4, so you can take me, take me to Songs of Solomon 8.4. It says, do not awaken love before it is time. That means that there is a time for love to be awoken. Now, the time that love should be awoken is just dependent on when God would have it for you. And, and on this point, you can't compare your time to someone else's. If somebody else's is getting married, that doesn't mean you're on the clock to get married. I have to get married. I must get married. I must do. Listen, God will have a time for you, but just relax. The time will come. It's so funny that nobody likes this word. You know why I didn't like this word? Because this goes against everything that they think. But my job is not to tickle your fancy. My job is to preach that thus saith the Lord. And I don't care. You, I will preach that thus saith the Lord. And I will preach until God comes down. And I will preach until you understand it. Now, if you believe this, put your hands together. Let me tell you what it is. I was talking to my brother at the time, and God dropped the revelation in my heart. He, he dropped the revelation of an onion. And 
I, I never thought about this revelation, Pastor. He brought a revelation of an onion, and I began to ask him, say, God, what is this revelation? He says, okay, well, what you do is that when you awaken love before this time, what you are actually doing is you are peeling a specific onion to the point whereby it meets your needs, okay? And then it said this, then the thing about that is that you may have, and I, I don't know how, how, how this is very metaphorical, I'm sure you'll get it. He said that you have many onions that are set before you, you have many relationships that are set before you, many friendships that are set before you, that you begin to peel these friendships to meet your specific need for that specific time and space in life. Now, what begins to happen is that as you begin to peel this, this, this friendship or this relationship to a specific mandate or a specific level, then you begin to realize, this is not for me. Then you hop to something else and you realize, this is not for me. Then at the end of everything, you're sitting down and you're confused because you've tangled your emotions everywhere. Okay? And because you've tangled your emotions everywhere, now when your actual true destiny, your true vision begins to blossom out, out of you, now you're confused. You're sitting there saying, what am I supposed to do, Holy Spirit? Now, let me advise somebody out there. Let me advise somebody listening to me tonight. I feel God on me tonight. Let me advise somebody out. Allow God's vision and his mandate to blossom in your life. Okay? Allow time to go by so God's vision and his mandate can blossom out of your life before you begin to see this. And there's one person in the Bible who really understands this and really understood this, and that's, that's Joseph. I don't think there's anybody in the Bible that understood uh, 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 actually waiting than Joseph, okay? If you go to Genesis 39, you'll begin to see this. Let's jump to this. We're going to read it real quick, um, then I'll, I'll drop uh, a few points on you tonight. Genesis 39, 1 to 7. Okay, let's read this. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders... He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verses 2 says this. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. And as he served in the home of Egyptian master. I want us to pause right there. The Bible says uh, the Lord was with Joseph. That meant that there was grace upon the life of Joseph. That meant that there was anointing on the life of Joseph. That meant that there was some type of gifting, some type of ability, some type of something was on him. Can we agree there was something on Joseph's life? Somebody could say there was a star on his life. Somebody could say there was something, there was a grace, there was something that was different about Joseph. And it was the grace of God, it was the anointing of God. How many know that the anointing attracts? Anybody know that tonight? Am I preaching to somebody? Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy tonight. Preaching, preaching to someone. The anointing attracts, okay? So when you have the grace of God and when you're walking with God and when God is with you, it will attract people. It will attract friends. It will attract enemies. It will attract specific types of people. Verses 3 says this. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did, everything that he touched, okay? This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. Verses 5 says this. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and the property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs run smoothly and his crops and livestock flourish because of the anointing upon Joseph's life. Okay. Uh, the next verse says, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything that he owned. 
With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. My goodness. May that be your testimony. May you be the answer to somebody's prayer. To the point they don't have to worry about anything. That, But the time you step on the scene, that things begin to just put themselves together. That when you walk into the office, they look for you. May that be your testimony tonight. I don't hear your amen here tonight. I say, may that be your testimony here tonight. Amen. Moving on. It says, so Potiphar, go on. I, I, oh, go back. I'm so sorry. Go back. It says, uh, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Okay, just adding that in there. Just any, any, any handsome young man here tonight, you know you're handsome. All right. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. My God. And she began to say, come sleep with me. I just imagine her voice being like that, you know. Like, I just, come sleep with me. She demanded so that when she demands, that means that there's no questions. There's no if, ands, or buts. You know? There's no if, ands, or buts. There's no question. There's come and sleep with me. She demanded. Okay? Point blank. Period. But the, the, the truth of the scripture, very easily and very simply, is that she began to look at him lustfully. Why? Because she, even as the one that was in charge of the woman that was in charge of the house, could sense the grace upon the life of Joseph. People who you never thought would look for you can sense the grace upon your life. Don't disqualify people from trying to get the grace and leak the grace out of your life. The enemy can use anybody, the enemy can use anything to try to leak grace, leak oil from your life to make sure that for the, the vision that you have before you, you will not get there. But I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray in this place tonight that by the, the grace of God, you will receive and you will achieve what God wants you to do. I pray by the grace upon my life that nobody that is sent to knock you off your vision will succeed. Amen. My goodness. If you understood how important this thing was in your life, you would begin to look at it a bit more differently. Do you know there are men of God, there's, there's people who God had, you know, crazy visions for, but because of the person that they married, the whole ministry came down? Like, there's some people that the, just because of who they've connected to, the, the friendships, the relationships they make in their life, you can have somebody that's on fire, but because of one connection, boom, their fire's down. Relationships and connections are so important because all those things drink oil from you. They take oil. But if you don't have the type of friends around you that are continually not just taking, but also pouring into you, that's the problem. The friends that are around you, the people that are around you, the relationships and connections upon your life shouldn't just be you pouring out, but it should also be people pouring in. It's a two-way street. So if you don't have that in your life, you'll forever feel like, why do I keep giving? I keep giving. I keep giving. But there's no reciprocation into it. That's because the oil upon your life is being leaked. The oil upon your life, the grace upon your life, the anointing upon your life is being leaked. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that causes demons to flee. It's the anointing upon your life that gives you the ability to do what you couldn't do by yourself. You need the grace of God to be upon your life. You need your head to always have oil. You need to have grace. There must be something that's different about you. And it's the anointing. Everybody can all dress the same. But the difference is the grace. Somebody once told me, he said that everybody can, somebody, I can buy the same clothes as Marshall, but the difference will be the way that we wear it. We can wear it the same way, but it may be the swag we put on with it. 
Because someone once told me, he said, it's not what you wear, but it's how you wear it. That's the same thing about the grace that I could have grace for this and somebody could have grace for that. But the way that I will do it will be different because you need the oil to be on your life because oil is specific to you. So that's why when somebody begins to transfer the grace upon their life to my life or my life to somebody's life, they begin to operate in the same grace upon my life. Are y'all getting this today? Okay. The grace is what makes the difference. I need you to understand that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing upon your life. And tonight, I said in the beginning, if you didn't have grace, you're going to receive grace tonight. It's the anointing upon your life that breaks the yokes. And so because of that, you have to beware of people who want to leak the grace. Situations that want to leak the grace because you'll find out that I'm in this relationship, I'm in this friendship with somebody, and my grace just gives. I just, I don't know why. It's like every week in my life, I'm just like, I'm getting weaker in my walk with God. It's like the more I walk with this person, the more I don't feel like coming to church. The, the more I walk with this person, the more I feel that I'm not walking with a specific, like my prayer life is going down. Listen, watch that relationship because that relationship is sent for a reason and that mandate is to leak the grace upon your life the anointing is what breaks the yoke and it's the anointing that's that the devil is after that you find right here in this scripture so miss potiphar's wife you know she's looking at him lustfully she says you know come sleep with me now i love what joseph does in this in this scripture joseph just basically just walks away i, lo I love what he does in the scripture let's go on to verses eight it says this, but Joseph refused, look, he told her, <laughs> my master trusts me with everything in his entire house. So you know when he's responding to his master's wife with look, she's tried more than once. He says, look, listen, you've been trying and I'm saying, nah, I don't want to sleep with you. Leave me alone. I don't want my oil. I want the grace upon my life to work for me. I want to be, a, I'm trying to be a Christian. Stop trying to bring me back. I'm trying to walk this walk trying goes on no one here has more authority than i do he has held back nothing from me except you my god because you are his wife how could i do such a wicked thing it would be a great sin against god verses 10 says this she kept putting pressure on joseph day after day after day after dm but he refused. I'm sure it was there somewhere. After text message, after iMessage, after whatever, Twitter, after Instagram, after Snapchat, after whatever. Day after day, the woman was persistent. Hey! There's some situations where, like, come, leave me. I'm, tr I'm, tr I'm trying to be saved. Like, I want to be saved. Stop trying to make me not be saved. I, I'm trying to be right with God. Why are you doing this to me? Am I alone? Has anybody been there? I don't know if I'm alone. All right. All right. All right. All right. Cool. It's all right. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. I'm the only one that's been through something. It's all right. Okay. I'm imperfect. I really am. But he says he refused to sleep with her. Now, I don't know about that. I want to put myself in Joseph's shoes, all right, real quick, okay? Um, if I'm in Joseph's shoes and somebody, let's say, I don't know, uh, I don't know, maybe like five years ago or something like that. And I was in Joseph's shoes and somebody was just pursuing me and pursuing me and pursuing me. I don't know if I would do the act, but I would entertain the conversation. 
Someone say real talk. Right? They ain't ready for the real talk. Because it's hurting some people. Like, oh my God. Does this mean I got to break up with my boyfriend after this? Does it mean I got to break up with my girlfriend? If it's leaking your oil, yes. <laughs> I don't want to go to that church anymore. They, they speak that. Because I'm telling you what you need to hear. That's why. <laughs> Over here, your mind will be transformed. It's Transforming Life Center. Your life will be renewed. Your mind will be transformed. You'll be raised to be a leader. The process of your life being transformed is a breaking process. It's not always rosy. If you go to church and they always preach words you like, I wouldn't recommend that church to you. That means that nothing is changing. There's no, there's no formative because when you're changing, you should be breaking. And there's some services you leave with where the wound is out of you and you have to hold the blood on the wound and say, oh my gosh, I still love Jesus. But man, that service was hard. Man, that word really hit me. There'll be some, some services when you walk away, you're like, you're reevaluating my life. Like, what am I doing? This is one of those services. He said this. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Joseph understood the power of distance. Joseph understood the power of distance. But there's a principle that I was taught when I was, I was much younger. Uh, and this principle was that distance makes the heart grow fonder. The more space you give, the more your heart begins to long. So Miss Potiphar actually loved him the more because of the distance he created. He took a step back and she still wanted him. Say, because he's giving me a step back, man, it's making me want him more and more. Because let me tell you something, the grace upon your life cannot be hidden. The oil upon your life cannot be hidden. It comes out of you, okay? So then he goes on to verses 11. One day, whew, no one else was around. Well, that's, the, that's, that's the reason why it happened. <laughs> You know what's funny? Because every time we're talking about this scripture, it's like they never mentioned that it was just the two of them. Like, so that means that she was saying this while there were other people around. <laughs> Man. And then it says this. One day, when no one else was around, when he went in to do his work, she came and she grabbed him by his cloak. Demanding. Come on. <laughs> Sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away. He said, woman. But he left his cloak. Don't mind me. He left his cloak in her, in her hand as he ran from the house. Can you believe that? I could just imagine that situation right there. Can you imagine that? Joseph's like, I can imagine him coming to work. He's doing his work, and a doom, doom, doom. He sees the woman. He's like, oh my God, not again. And he's trying to run. And she's like, not today, Joseph. And she starts running and chasing after him. And all of a sudden, his cloak begins to rip, and she grabs it and she holds him in his hand. She says, if I can't get him, at least I have a piece of him. Listen to me, there's some people in your life, they don't need to have you physically, they just need to catch you slipping on a text message. They don't need to sleep with you, they just need to catch you with a text message. It's just one Snapchat away, it's one screenshot away. But if God be for you, whichever Jezebel, whichever demon that has been sent into your life tonight in the name of Jesus is dying, is breaking, is falling. If you believe it, say, yeah! 
Be seated. Sit, 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 sit. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. That will preach itself. That will preach itself. They don't need all of you, just a piece of you. You know why I say that she just needs a piece of you or he just needs a piece of you? Because of this, state, this statement afterwards. That when she saw she was holding onto his cloak that he had fled, and he had fled. She called out to the, her servants. That's, that's the mistake right there. She realized she had dirt. She said, man, I, I got... Oh. She said, I... I I may not have him, but I have enough evidence to prove that I was with him. Uh, I have enough evidence to prove that. Listen, when the oil is upon your life, oil leakers will come and they may, don't, they don't even have to sleep with you. They don't have to date you. They just need a piece of you. They need a piece of you. She called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, look, she said. My husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He says this. He came into my room and he raped me, but I screamed. What? What? When he heard me screaming, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. You see, when they can't get you, they begin to start making stories about you. When they have no evidence on you, they begin to speculate things about you. I'm pretty sure there's no way that he can be single for this long. There's no way that he can be serving God and on fire for this long. There must be some type of oil leak. There must be. Some, I want to tell you something. There's still some genuine young men of God who are out there. There's still some genuine young men, young women of God who are out there who still say, I want to hold on to the fire. I want to hold on to God. I don't want to slip. I don't want to be a statistic. I want to serve Jesus. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Evidence. That she told her story. That Hebrew slave that you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. <coughs> but the Lord was with Joseph. Period. Full stop. But the Lord was with. You think that after all of that stuff, after all of that mess, after all that trial, after all of that airing out of that business, after all of that mess that you experienced, after that terrible breakup, after that ministry blew up, after all of that nonsense that may have come to try to knock you off of your walk with God, that God would leave you. But the word says that God was still with Joseph. What he promised is his word. He can't break his word. If his oil is upon you and he's called you for a specific mandate, a specific purpose, it doesn't matter what happens. His anointing will keep you. His anointing will lift you. The Bible says that, and I'm going to paraphrase that, as he was in prison, you could be on your feet tonight, we're, we're concluding. As he was in prison, my God, as he was in prison, he began to interpret these dreams. And you know the story. He began to interpret these dreams in prison. 
And all of a sudden, he finds himself in the palace. And the prophecy that he got way back in Genesis 19 or 18 or so was then fulfilled through the prison in the palace. Now, I don't know what you got from this word tonight, but I know one thing. I know that there are some people, there are some devices of the enemy. We're talking about friendships. That means that there are some people who may have been friends who may have shifted into becoming enemies. And there's some people that all they want to do is see your downfall, Pastor. You were elevated. You were brought to this. All they want to do is get something on you. They just need a cloak. They don't need you. They just want a cloak. They don't need all of you. They just need a message. They don't need, all, they don't need everything. They just need, a, they just need something to get you prove that what you're doing is not actually real you're, you're, you're counterfeit but I believe there's still genuine people in this place who love God who are still trying to get it right do am I in a room with people like that tonight anybody who's like listen like I may have fallen five six times eight times ten times hundred times but I'm still trying to get it right I'm still trying to get this life thing I'm still trying to walk out this Christian thing I may not have it all perfect but I'm trying like I'm trying to get this thing right I don't know what position you're in right now, but we're about to pray right now. And the type of prayer we're going to pray is the prayer that is saying, listen, any enemy that is planning your downfall, we're going to pray that God himself will resist them. You don't have to do anything. God will resist them. Because anybody who's after your life it's not after you physically, but it's after you spiritually. And it's after the oil upon your life. It's the oil that makes the difference. It's the anointing that makes a difference, Sharon. And they want to leak the anointing from your life. They want you to be dry. You know what makes you dry? Sin makes you dry. A double life makes you dry. Those are the things that leak your anointing. Those, those things, those, those, those times where you think that, man, this thing, oh, if I just do it, man, it's just one time, it won't hurt me. It's leaking your grace. And the thing about anointing is that even though it lifts immediately, the effect takes time to see. You could, you could, <laughs> you could be doing all sorts of things, still coming to church and still doing your thing, but after some time, you get to realize that things are not clicking the way they used to click things are not meshing the way they used to mesh it. it used to flow a bit easier and it's a little harder for me now because the oil that was there has been leaked and you need to ask God to top up the grace upon your life thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush podcast if you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving <laughs>